All right. God is good to us. Last week, we talked about you can't run away. Scott Crony, you can't, can you? We can't run away. No matter how much we want to, no matter if we don't want it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard we try. We can't run away from God and what he wants to do in our lives. Elimelech, last week in our story and our, our text, our start to root, decided to move his family to Moab. And the reason he was doing that is he wanted to escape the famine and everything that was going on there. He moved into the world and away from what God had planned and from God's land and what God had in store for him. The result of that decision was pretty much disastrous for him. And uh, we pick up our text today after Naomi's two sons had passed away. And uh, they had died right after um, her, their father had. Ruth chapter 1 verse 6 says this. <laughs> Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she left the place where she was, her two daughters-in-law with her, and they started on the way back to Judah. And so that's the start of our text today, and God had visited the people back in Bethlehem. And remember, we talked about there was a famine in that land, and the news spread very quick. <coughs> that the famine was over in this land. When Naomi heard the good news about it, she decided that she was going to go back home, that she, she was going to get there as fast as she could. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. There's a place of blessing, and the blessing was flowing in Bethlehem because that's where God's people were, and, and the blessing was flowing there. Naomi, <coughs> she heard about this blessing. And uh, she heard about the blessing of the Lord that was going on in her home country. And she was at, not at all in a position to receive the blessing of God. She had moved out of the, the place that God had for her, her and her husband. They'd moved their family out. And they were living off in the world. And so she heard about it, and it stirred some things in her for her to go back. And it got me to thinking, you know, it's sad when people only hear about the blessings of God. It's a sad thing when we only hear about the blessings of God, but we never experience the blessings of God. We never experience. And why is that 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 was happening like for her? She was not in a place. <coughs> and I'm really sorry. But she was not in a place where God could bless her. She was not in a place. She had moved out of that place of blessing and was in another place. So she just heard about it. And uh, it reminds me of a story of Zacchaeus in the Bible. Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Zacchaeus was a little man. So he couldn't see Jesus and he ran up. He's the one that ran up and climbed the sycamore tree. And I always think about that story when I think about, about God and, and wanting to see God. Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming through. And Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was for himself. So he went out in front of the crowd, out in front of everybody else, and done all these things. There's a whole message in that, but he did all these things. He climbed a tree, and he got himself in a position to see Jesus. He got himself in this position that when Jesus passed that way, that he would be able to see him. And, and for us today, it's all about us positioning ourselves 
to see the Lord, to see the Lord. I hear people all the time, they say, I wish God would speak to me. I, I wish I could hear his voice. I don't have the fire in my life any longer. Or, or, or why doesn't God speak to me? And I just want to ask this question. Are you in a position to see the Lord? Are you in a position to see the Lord? And what do I mean by that? How do we position ourselves today to see the Lord? We do that when, you know, when he talks and when he, when he talks to us, he talks to us when we pray. He talks to us when, through his word. He shows up when we give. He shows up when we serve. He shows up when we worship. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. And all those things, those are ways that we position ourselves to receive from the Lord for what he has. So are you positioning yourself for the blessings of the Lord? Are you positioning yourself for his blessings to come into your life? I read this illustration this week and it says, it said this, this is a guy talking, he was in a church and he was listening to everybody pray. And there was one person after another going to the microphone and they were praying and they were, they were praying out and everybody would pray, Lord, bless the United States. Lord, bless our missions. Lord, bless this. Lord, bless that. And he listened to everybody pray. And when it was his time to come up and to pray, he walked up to the platform and he took the microphone and he said, and Lord, please make us blessable. And I thought about that, man, that is some awesome stuff because we want God to bless everything. But what we really need to do, focus on is God make us, put us in a place to where we're blessable. Help us to get in a proper position so that we can hear your voice and that we can know what you have. Now, Naomi, in the Bible, Naomi and her family, they had disobeyed the Lord. They had departed from his will. And uh, any time that we do that, we must confess our sin and return to the place of blessing. If you look throughout the Bible, there was other people that left their place of blessing. Abraham had to leave Egypt and go back to the altar that he had abandoned. He had to go back to it. Jacob had to go back to Bethel. Um, the re repeated cry of the prophets that we talked about last week was constantly that the people would return back to God, that they would return from their sins and turn back to God. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have love, pity, and mercy for him and to our God for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. I love that. He will multiply to him his abundant pardon. Now Naomi, as she's getting ready to go back to the land of God, as Naomi is getting ready to go back, her decision to go back was right her motive may have been a little bit wrong, but her decision to go back to Bethlehem was right. She was mainly interested, when you kind of look at it, she was mainly interested in the provision of God. And uh, she wasn't so much concerned about the presence of God when she went back. It was the provision. She heard that the famine was over. She heard that the rains had started coming. She heard that there was food there. It was harvest season there. She heard everything was going well there. So it was mainly the provision of the Lord that she was looking for, not so much the presence of the Lord. She was returning to her land, but she still needed to return to her Lord. Does it make sense? She was returning to the land, but she still needed to return to the Lord. And I think sometimes... As people, especially in America, we get to looking for the provision of God and we forget about the presence of God. We forget about that everything is found in his presence. The presence of God, I thought so much about it all this week. All things are found in his presence. Do you know how hard it is for a preacher to talk and not preach? 
Today I'm trying to talk and not preach so I don't lose my voice. <laughs> Everything is found in the presence of God. Everything is there. We could seek for joy. I could seek for joy. I could hunt for peace. I could look for provision. I could desire contentment. But I will never find any of those things in a lasting way on their own. I will never find joy on its own. I will never find peace on its own. I will never find any of these things on their own. It is all found in his presence. Everything is found in his presence. Psalm 1611 is one of my favorite scriptures. You will show me the path to life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God is everywhere. There's no place that we can go to escape his love. There's no place that I could go to escape his presence. And because God is everywhere, because he's everywhere, and since God is everywhere, I think when we talk about the presence of God, I believe what we were really talking about is the realization of the presence of God. Because the Bible is very clear that God is everywhere all the time. He's everywhere all the time. He's moving. He's doing all the time. So when we talk about the presence of God, it's more about us realizing it. <coughs> we want to perceive his presence, be conscious of it. God reveals himself to those who seek him earnestly and his presence comes in their life. Deuteronomy chapter 4, 29 says, But if from there you will seek, and this is how the Amplified Bible, inquire for and require as necessity the Lord your God, you will find him if you truly seek for him with all your heart and mind and soul and life. God desires for us to be looking for him. God desires for us to come near him. And when we do, he reveals himself to us. Verse 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And that's what we see going on here in this story. And, and Ruth is about to find some things out. Naomi and Ruth, back to it. Chapter, verse 8 says, but Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, because they're headed back to Bethlehem. She says, go return each of you to her mother's house. And may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find a home and rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. <clears throat> Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that may become your husbands? Verse 12, Turn back, my daughters, and go. For I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband tonight and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It is far more bitter for me than for you that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they wept aloud again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, Goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Now, 
when you see this and you read this story, uh, some of the things that cross my mind is, why would Naomi want to send her daughter-in-laws back to their families and back to false gods? But if you look at it through the natural eye, you kind of see some reasons in this. Naomi explains the story to them, that where they're at in life. She explains that she's too old to remarry. Even if she did and she had sons of that day, um, the, the girls would have to wait for them to grow up, so it would be years and years. She tells them to go back to their mother's house because in their mother's house they would be provided for. She prays for them to find a home and rest and a husband. And it shows me at this time she had, at this time she still was struggling some. She had more hope in a pagan world than she did for the girls back in the land of God. Sending them back to their mothers was sending them back into false religions with false gods, false hope. And everything there would be temporary. One day it was going to come to an end. And so that was one thing that I looked at. So I see it in the natural. Another thing that, that was brought up and all the reading that I was doing on this was, I wonder if maybe, just maybe, Naomi just a little bit was trying to cover up. Could it have been? Because, you know, it was, it was against the, the, the religion of the Israelites at that time. It was, they were not supposed to marry into other other countries, people that were of the world, they were not to marry Moabites. They were not to do that. So could it have been that Naomi did not want Orpah and Ruth to go back to Bethlehem with her because they were living proof that her and her husband had let their sons marry outside of that covenant nation of Israel? Could it have been that they were trying to cover it up? Was she trying to cover up maybe her disobedience? You know, it never works when we do that. If she was to return alone, maybe if she returned alone home, maybe nobody would notice. Nobody would notice what had happened. But there is no reward when we try to cover up disobedience in our life. It never works. Anytime that we try to cover up disobedience or sin, it never works. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So when we try to cover up our sins, it shows a couple things about us. It shows that we have not faced up to our sins honestly. When we're trying to cover them up, we're trying to hide them, it shows that we've not faced up to them honestly. We've not seen them for what they are in the Word. And what sin is in the Word is sin does what? Sin separates me from God. And so when I don't face up to my sin and I try to hide it, and I'm talking about in myself, I tried to hide that sin, or I tried to push that thing down, and I don't deal with it. I don't confess it. <clears throat> I don't get it out there where it needs to be. Then, then that thing begins to control my life because sin separates me from the presence of God. True repentance involves honest confession and a brokenness within. It's a scripture we talked about last week out of Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. But if, instead of brokenness, Naomi had some bitterness that was going on inside of her for everything that was going on. Now Orpah, the one daughter-in-law, she makes her decision. She decides that it's time to give up. They're headed back to Bethlehem. She decides it's time to give up and go back home. And uh, I thought about that. You think for a minute she was headed for, the, for God's land and headed for God's provision. And now all of a sudden she decides, you know what, it would be better to go back, go back to what I know, go back to what I'm used to. 
go back to, 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 to where I know how things are done. So she goes back. So we got Naomi over here that looks like she was covering up. We got Orpah over here that was giving up. But we got Ruth, and Ruth is about to stand up. Ruth is about to say, you know what, I'm going to do things a little bit different here. And she's about to stand up. Verse 15, Naomi said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after her. And Ruth said, urge me not to leave you or to return back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. When you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also if anything but death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more. So Ruth refused to listen to the pleas of her mother-in-law, and she was not going to follow the examples of her sister-in-law either. She refused, but she was not going to do it. She experienced, you think about her life, she had experienced trials and disappointments. But by God's grace, according to our story, by God's grace, she came to know him. And instead of blaming God for what she had experienced, she decided to place her full trust in that God. Instead of blaming God for her experiences and what she'd been through, she decided that she was going to trust God with all that. She had come to know the God of Israel during these hard years, and she wanted to be with his people and live in his land. That was her desire. And that conversion of Ruth is evidence of the grace of God. It's not by, if, if you look for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. All of us have been saved by grace. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. That's why we sang that song. I thought it was important a while ago when they were singing. It's God's not looking for what you say. He's not looking for what you do. You are saved by his grace. So it's nothing that any of us or none of us could boast. You look at everything, everything, <coughs> everything within her and around Ruth, everything presented obstacles to her faith, but yet she trusted the God of Israel. And this is one of those stories that should just stir something up within her. Everything went against this woman. Everything went against her, and she didn't have anything compared to what we have as far as teaching. But yet she trusted in the God of Israel. Her background was against her. She was born and she was from Moab where they worshipped false gods. They accepted human sacrifices. They encouraged immorality everywhere you went. That, so that was the way she grew up. Her circumstances were against her. They could have made her bitter against the God of Israel. It could have made her bitter. Her father-in-law had died. Then her husband and her brother-in-law. And she was left a widow. And back in that day to be a widow, the, the family is what took care of you. That was it. Family took care of you. And, and, and to not have anybody left, there was no support for her. Ruth dearly loved Naomi. She loved her mother-in-law, but even Naomi was against her. In, in a sense, she encouraged Ruth to return to her family and her gods back in Moab. Since Elimelech and Malon were now dead, Ruth was technically under the guardianship of Naomi. She was supposed to listen to her. She was supposed to obey her counsel. But God intervened. Somehow, in his gracious love, he intervened and he saved Ruth in spite of all the obstacles that were against her. Man, it doesn't matter what you have going against you. God is able to come through. Amen? 
It don't matter the way you've been raised. It don't matter where you've been living. It don't matter what you've been doing. It doesn't, none of that matters, man. His grace is more than enough. He pulls us out of it all. Ruth's statement in, in verse 16 and 17 is one of the most magnificent confessions found in, in Scripture anywhere. You've probably heard this before in many, many different times as I read that just a minute ago. And what she does there <coughs> is first of all, she confesses her love to Naomi. She says that she desires to stay with her mother-in-law even unto death, which was very um, admirable in those days, very admirable. She confessed, with, she confessed her faith in the true and living God and her decision to worship Him alone. She was willing to forsake her father and her mother in order to cleave to Naomi and the people of God. Ruth was steadfast. She was determined. She was going to accompany Naomi and live in Bethlehem with God's people no matter what. The decision was made. It was just time to travel and time to go. But when you look at all this... <coughs> There's also one more thing that she's got to overcome. There's a scripture found in Deuteronomy chapter 23 that says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter the congregation of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the congregation of the Lord forever. Man, she had some other things. This meant permanent exclusion. So how could Ruth go back and enter in and be part of God's people? How could she do that? Well, what Ruth did was she trusted God's grace and throwed herself completely at the mercy of God. And that's what happens. The law excluded her from God's family, but grace included her into the family of God. It's the same for all of us. Now, when you look down through and you look at the genealogy or you look at the family line of Jesus, and, and, and you look at the family line of Jesus, you find it in Matthew chapter 4. I encourage you to go read that sometime. You find the names of, of, of five women there, and four of them women had very questionable, they had very questionable credentials about their life, if you will. Because it's by the grace of God that we're saved. It's nothing about who we are or what we've done. It's by His grace and His shed blood. But if you look through, Tamar committed incest with her father-in-law, yet she was in the family line of Jesus. Rahab was a Gentile harlot, but she was in the family line. Ruth was an outcast of, of a gentle... She was from the Moabite. She was a, a, wasn't supposed to have a chance to be in there. Then one of the other ones was the wife of Uriah, and, and she was an adulteress. You know about her story. So how did they ever become part of the family of God? How did they become part of the line of Jesus? Jesus was born into this family line, and it was through the sovereign grace and the mercy of God. God is long-suffering. God is not willing that anybody should perish. It doesn't matter what we've done or where we've been. It's not that any of us should perish, but that all of us should come to repentance and come to know him. Verse 19, so they went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived at Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred about them. And they said, this is Naomi. And she said to them, call me not Naomi, which means pleasant, but call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, but the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite is her daughter-in-law with her. 
who've returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning, I think this is crucial, at the beginning of barley harvest. They returned. They returned from Moab back to Bethlehem. They returned from the world, and they got back to the way. They returned from the world and they got back to where God wanted. It was barley harvest. It was no coincidence. It was barley harvest when they showed up and arrived in Bethlehem. We're going to find out the rest of the story. And this is where the love story between her and Boaz takes off. It's a time when the community expressed joy and praise to God. They were worshiping God. It was a springtime when they arrived. Springtime was a time of new life and new beginning. There was a man by the name of Alexander White, and he used to tell his congregation that the victorious Christian life is a series of new beginnings, a series of new beginnings. That's a victorious Christian life. Keep getting up and starting new and fresh. Keep starting over. Naomi was about to make a brand new beginning. For with God, it's never too late for us to stop, start again. Never too late. I don't care how old we are, how young. It doesn't matter. It's never too late. So are we trusting God for a new beginning? Are we trusting God for a new beginning? When you look at the story of Naomi and Ruth, <coughs> she realized that it was time for her to return. And when we got God at our side, our resources are far, far greater for us than our burdens are. It's time to return. It's time for us as a people to return to his grace, return to his presence, return to his plan, return to his way, return to his life, return to his joy, return to his peace. But where did I say, how do we return to one of the, to those things? We can't return to any of them one on their own, but we have to return to him for in his presence comes fullness of joy, fullness of peace. It's time to turn. This story today, it's a, time, it's a time for us to turn from the world and back to Jesus. Time to turn from my way and turn to his life. In his presence is fullness of joy. There's a statement that I read <coughs> several months ago that's got inside of me and it never leaves. And it's this, life will do to you what life finds in you. I can't get rid I think of that almost every day. Life is going to do to you what life finds in you. So when hard times come in life, it's going to do to you what it finds in your life. So if it finds the presence of God in your life, then the presence of God is going to show up in my problems. <clears throat> but if when those things get to me, it finds bitterness and hardness and different things inside of me, then that's what it's going to do to me. Am I making sense? So it's very important for us to find ourselves in his presence. We can grow bitter or we can grow better. We can accept God's plan or we can push against it. We can return to God or we can linger in the world. And one thing is this, and we can rest assured of, only in his presence is fullness of joy. Naomi returned. Naomi returned, and, and I've kind of been looking at this, and I, and I thought of this, and you might say, oh, pastor, I don't read it that way. I think Naomi returned for provision, but because of God's grace and his love, his presence is going to overtake her life. She returned to God because she was hurting, and she needed some food. That's it. She had nothing, and she was like, man, I got to go back because they're God's blessings over there, and maybe I could get something when I get there. And so she went back. Maybe there'd be some kind of peace. 
Maybe there'll be something show up there. Maybe I can escape my trouble if I will go back. And she was just trying to get out of trouble. And she ran into the presence of God. When she returned, she put herself in a position to see Jesus. She put herself in a position to see the grace and the mercy of God. She put herself in a position for God's spirit to overtake her. It was there. <clears throat> so people tell me at different times, they say, a lot of times, I believe this, when we come to God, a lot of times we are trying to escape something. We're trying to escape hurt. We're trying to escape death. There, a lot of times we come to the Lord because of a death of somebody we love. There's something that, there's something that we're trying to escape something. <clears throat> but what happens in that is this. When we do that and we come in, we get ourselves in a position for his grace to start working in our life. For his mercy to begin to work upon me. It's all about being in the right position. And I'm one of those guys, I don't care how you get here. I'm just glad you're here. I'm just glad. I'm, I, you know what? Naomi did it for food. And she's going to find everything back. Everything. She's going to be so blessed. And Ruth, and the whole story as it unwinds is so amazing. She finds everything there. It doesn't matter what brings you in. It's about making sure that we're there where his presence is. That we can find all the fullness of what he has for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying for me while I preach today. <clears throat> I've seen several of you drop your head and pray. I got, this is what I love about Ava Assembly. I had five separate groups of men pull me into that back room and pray over me today before service. I love this church. I love being a part of this church. In his presence is fullness of joy. As your pastor, I want you to always know this. You've got to stay in a position to be in his presence. Don't seek things on their own. Seek him and all things that take care of itself. Amen. All right, would you stand with me today? Altars are open today, and if you would like special prayer, we got people that will meet you here, sickness, finances, whatever it is. But if you just want to be in the presence of God, come up for that too. Just come and linger in his presence. If not, reach over to the person next to you. We're going to pray. Ron's going to step in this mic and he's going to pray a blessing over you. And uh, while well, you pray one for another, all right, reach over, put your hand on that person next to you. It meant a lot to me have people surround me and pray for me today. So we're going to finish this praying one for another today.